Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, Jared, let's get real serious. <laughs> I know, I'm really excited. You know what I was thinking though? How am I going to spend this long talking to you and not go like this? I know, right? <laughs> How are we going to do this? We're so fucking unprofessional. <laughs> but hilarious. <laughs> right? I know. And you are very welcome along to the Unpopular Opinion Podcast. My name is Jen and today with me I have Dr. Jer McGuire. Well, nearly. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's so smart, you guys. Um, if you don't know, uh, Jer, myself and Jer have been friends for over 20 years. So of course people are going to be like, oh, of course she's getting her friend on the podcast when she's on Matt Leaf. Oh, is that not the plan? <laughs> I was like, I'll do it, but if I can wear a tracksuit. Yeah. And <laughs> um, the re- this today is actually a very different podcast. So Jer, if you don't know, specializes in genocide, which is a very uh, vague way of saying at what he actually does. He ha- I have a description here in front of me, so I'm gonna like give it a rundown of what Jer does. So Jer is a doctor. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> fucked it up. Sorry, a doctoral candidate in, with the Department of Law at Minute University. He's lectured extensively on both undergraduate and postgraduate law course, and is currently a course instructor with critical skills. So basically, he's really smart, and he's a lecturer, and he specialises in genocide. So oh. we're going to learn a bit about genocide <laughs> today. The happiest topic. That there ever was. I really hope no one's listening to this on like a Friday going into the weekend. <laughs> like, oh God. Oh no, we upload on a Sunday. So this would be a nice Monday morning. Oh yeah, I was going to say no, because if someone has hangover fear and listens to this on a Sunday, I mean, they might be like, oh God. <laughs> so, right. No, we're going to, we're, no, we're, we're going to keep it upbeat and well, as upbeat as we can. Is there a... A specific day you would recommend listening to this podcast on? Like, I mean, no. <laughs> when you listen to it, you're gonna. It is sad. It is sad. It, it, of course, it's sad. Right. But the thing is, but you can still talk about it in a very general and conversational way that makes it less sad to understand the law behind it. Sometimes yeah. makes it a little bit more easy to deal with. Well, this is why I wanted to get you on because when you talk about this, I'm personally. In, and I don't want people to, to pick me up wrong on this. I don't want people to think that I'm taking the seriousness away from it. But I do be like engrossed in what you're saying mm. about it. And I Thank find you. it so interesting. So I just thought this would be a great podcast. We can learn something. 
because like this is not talked about no no and this is the thing it's that's exactly right because it's terrifying because it's happening right now and we just because it's so i think removed from us that we don't see it so we don't understand it in the way that someone who is living through this it's happening to so i mean it's scary because it's happening we see this on the news and it'll say something like the Rohingya in Myanmar and we think well, where, where even is that you know yeah. it's it's so far away it's nothing to do with me I don't get it or the Uyghurs in China and we're like mm, nothing to do with us like it's too far away for us to even understand it so like when I usually start a, uh, a lecture or anything on genocide that's the first question I ask people is when I say genocide what do you think of and usually what do you think of actually out of curiosity well what? I think of something along the lines of a holocaust yeah and that's always the thing so we always I always think people think that it's in the past and that it doesn't happen anymore so yeah. you think of the Holocaust or maybe Rwanda because we were we were alive for that or Bosnia so we remember those yeah. kind of ones but we don't we just think it's in the past and it doesn't still happen now and it does um, and the law that's why I was interested in it is the law is is really bad when yeah. it comes to genocide it's very hard to prosecute it's very hard to prove um, and that's what got me started into it so it was and in your PhD so just to because and this is very ignorant to me I never went to college so I never understood that a PhD you mm-hmm. basically have to discover or make a breakthrough in something that's never been done before exactly yeah so you're no pressure yeah no pressure <laughs> no no pressure in trying to prosecute something that can be is very hard yeah. to prosecute so so that's true and that's what I'm doing at the minute so I've spent the last three years this is the final year so in the final run thank god um if anyone ever wants to do a phd i say do it because it is yeah. great but it's hard and when you spend three years now going into four of just genocide monday to friday you yeah it ends up being a little bit like oh god like I, yeah I, and you get really desensitized to it and you know because i've made like not jokes but i will make very off the cuff remarks about genocide or flippant remarks about it because i spend so much time with it but you do you need yeah. to distance yourself and i think it's like that in every career like even a doctor who's lost a patient they will have to have some sort of mechanism to distance themselves or otherwise you couldn't go on you no yeah to cope it. yeah you're right that's it a coping yeah a coping mechanism yeah. um so what i'm doing at the minute is i'm trying to prove the existence of another form of genocide which i talk about a lot which is cultural genocide that people don't look at so genocide um by the genocide convention is the intended targeted killing of a group in whole or in part and it gives a list of different things that that it incorporates so there's obviously the physical killing of people but it also covers things like um deliberately trying to prevent births within a group of people and forcefully removing children from a group and placing them within another group so there's different things and then not only does every state have to promise basically that they will punish genocide but they also have to promise that they will prevent genocide where possible too um so what i'm looking at now is this idea of cultural genocide so i ask this question that if so my one of my case studies is uh native canadians Mm. right so i asked this question where the state took all these children for over 120 years forced them out of their homes the tribes that they were in put them into these residential schools with the motto and this was the genuine governmental motto google it is don't kill the indian but kill the indian in the child yeah and like this was this was real this is what they did so there was no necessary deaths in it but a whole people was wiped out because they, they took the children yeah, away from the yeah. tribes so they wanted purposely to remove that people they wanted to turn them into western 
men mm. and women and civilized or savage you know this whole mm. thing so my argument at the minute is that can you ha- lose an entire people with no deaths and if that's the case then that should be genocide so that's yeah. where i'm at now so the, the case studies are there so it's australia and um, native americans too aboriginals in australia so it's just when they try to force any cultural identity out of a group and make them be exactly like the main population the white population essentially yeah is, is be westernized yeah 100 you know. and like when you google it even if you look at the children in australia the aboriginal children like they had ads in papers saying parents needed for these children will you give them a home but they've been taken from their home they had parents they were just pulled from them and then put into adoption um, and generally they ended up being into service like in servants or um i suppose modern day slavery essentially is what it was and we don't um seem to recognize that and then one of the things i always seem to get asked about and i i was thinking about this when i knew we were going to talk about it and i was like will i bring it up because somebody probably will maybe ask about it is about us and the famine oh yeah, yeah. and england yeah. And so I usually get asked this is, did Eng- are England guilty of genocide because they didn't prevent it, which is what they should have done. Yeah. Um, and it was technically yes, um, but also no, because with international law, and it's one of the problems with it is if something wasn't a crime when it happened, you can't be charged for it. Yeah. And genocide, we've only had that since 1946. We didn't have a name for it before that. It was just mass murder or, you know, something like that. But we didn't have, even though genocide's been happening for centuries but we just didn't have a name so in that sense no um if it happened right now then and they were responsible for us then probably but yeah yeah it's a funny one it's a it's a it's a nice one that you keep kind of finding little passageways and alleyways through reading things you're like oh and then you turn into this person like the last conference i was at a guy in the audience had a question and he put his hand up and the chair went yeah who's your question for and he said oh the genocide guy and i was like oh god that was a realization for me now i was like this is who I am now. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the filter fella seems to be gone, and now it's the genocide guy. Is fuck's <laughs> sake? Yeah, yeah. Um, is there because you talk about when you're because you're obviously a lecturer in Minnesota mm-hmm. University, and you get to, you like to it's the critical thinking side yeah. of it. You get your students to kind of have little debates on it. Are there unpopular opinions? Oh, mass massively. Um, oh massively and like these are real and like one of the debates we had in class once where we're uh, a group of well we did a reading on a group of people who are holocaust denialists who say um i don't have you heard of this no Ho- okay yeah. you're gonna have to layman's terms it yeah shit out yes for me. okay well uh, well i'm gonna tell you and i right. feel like your jaw is gonna drop okay. but maybe it won't no i um, wanted to so there is a group in the world, and there's millions of them um who claim the holocaust never happens that that the world has made this up that the jews were not persecuted against they weren't put into concentration camps this was all made up it's all a fabrication um because jewish people just wanted sympathy and money mm-hmm. what oh yeah so you can go on to their websites don't go on to their websites but you can these are like um, the flat earthers of oh, the genocide exactly world. exactly <laughs> and they say that this didn't happen so i one of the things i did with the class was i put them into two sides and i was like argue that it was and you argue that it wasn't and what you find is it was actually easier to argue that it it wasn't because the law on genocide is so narrow and you have to tick so many boxes to get it right because genocide we've only named since the holocaust so when that actually happened again we didn't have the term genocide which is why it's usually referred to as 
the Holocaust and not the Jewish yeah. or German genocide because we didn't have that term. It kind of came out in and around that time. Yeah. So, uh, so that's one really unpopular opinion depending on who you're talking to. Um, and then the other one is this recognition of cultural genocide. That sounds real fancy. I heard myself say it as I said it, and I was like, I sound like an absolute tosser. But as I, but I mean, so when I argue about cultural genocide, people and really well respected, renowned academics would argue me and say, that's not a thing. That is not a thing. But I, like to to the naked, well, to the naked ear and to the uneducated ear, i.e., me, it definitely it is like a thing if you're wiping out a people yeah. and a, a, mm-hmm. a person like a group of people's ways even if you're not killing them it is genocide like oh, you're getting rid of it absolutely that's exactly what i think um, yeah. and that's the, the the road that i've been taking down so in canada so again canada was the schools mm. they took the kids um so they did this huge report where they sent un people in to investigate it was called truth and reconciliation commission so they had to go in and find out what actually happened and what went on and so on the day they announced that report so this will show you how tricky states and governments are and they're, they're quite sneaky because genocide's called the crime of crimes and yeah. that's what everyone calls it so no state or government ever wants to be associated with that it's word the worst. it's the worst thing that can be done it's the yeah. gravest crime so in international law you've got war crimes crimes against humanity which are both awful as it is but genocide supersedes them all it's still worse mm. than all of them so the day that that report came out, the, the chair, who was a judge, um, said that what happened in the Canadian residential schools falls nothing short of cultural genocide. All right. Mm. Now, the government knew about this finding and they knew that this was going to be announced. On that exact same day, the government to the same report invited a Holocaust survivor from Germany to speak. And when you have this man who's now in his 80s up there saying this isn't genocide i lived through genocide this isn't a genocide like it totally discredited everything everything. and then you've got native people who were so happy with this finding who are then going oh god i don't know how to feel because this man lived through physical genocide yeah because there is stark differences obviously like one is gonna seem worse than the other absolutely but like, but we don't have that in law, like in especially in international law. So you know the way here, if I, if you murdered someone on purpose, it's murder. Mm. If you murdered them accidentally, it's, it's manslaughter. Yeah. But in international law, you don't have that. Right. The, the intent had to be there, or else it wasn't. But you have to prove that intent from the highest ranking person in the government or military, right down to the common soldier who actually killed it, and you have to prove that everyone in that chain of command knew exactly what the intent was they were all fully aware that the intent was to wipe out a group so how do you do that how you can't do you do that? there's you so can't, much conspiracy yeah. involved as well so that's why there's so few genocide prosecutions because it's impossible to prove i.e no pressure on the phd yeah no so yeah 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 i, I definitely haven't wasted <laughs> almost four years sure. but it's uh how are you gonna get your phd i don't know, I, don't know. <laughs> I was feeling much more confident before we sat down i'm not gonna lie <laughs> but i mean it's but it's scary because it does still happen yeah and like so in myanmar at the minute there's the Rohingyas that are being forced out of Myanmar and into Bangladesh and they're seeking refuge and they're in these um, kind of refugee camps essentially because uh, the government of Myanmar just decided we don't like the Muslim population anymore we want to get rid of them and what kills me about that is 
the leader in Myanmar's Aung San Suu Kyi. Um, someone is going to definitely send you a message and be like, his pronunciation of that was awful. Yeah. Um, so I do apologize if it was. <laughs> but, uh, and she was this champion of human rights. Like she was under house arrest for 35 years. She didn't see her husband die because she couldn't leave her country because if she did, she would not be let back in. So she stayed put under house arrest for 35 years and was champion human rights for people. But now she's sanctioning this. And that's so underneath the genocide convention, which is the law on genocide, that last one is um, the forcible transfer of people, which you can't do. That's an act of genocide. Right. Nobody's talking about this. Nobody's saying, no, what's going on there is genocide. It's not just a lot of refugees all of a sudden. Um, Why is there a lot of refugees? You know, because no one like, I mean, this is a bit of an unpopular opinion, you know, but I think sometimes in Ireland we have a tendency to to not really look at refugees the way that we should. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, isn't nobody wants to be a refugee? You know what I mean? Like, no. that's, of course not. Like, that's the worst thing in the world. And that's, like, it's from the term refuge because they're seeking refuge mm. from some sort of persecution um, or attacks on themselves. Mm. And, like, I mean, even how that's changed in law in relation to even acts of genocide. Like, if you fled because, say, you were being persecuted, especially in the Middle East, of your sexuality... Mm. They used to have tests where they would measure men's sexual arousal. They would keep them in containment in these like interview rooms when they arrived to the country and they would play gay porn and measure if they would be aroused by it to prove that they were gay or not. What? Because how can you prove? Like, you know, that's not something that's... It's more obvious on some people than others. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So the treatment of, of refugees, whether it's a result of genocide or just war, is, is crazy. And we don't have a huge amount of understanding of it I think here because in Ireland we don't luckily and touch wood we don't really get affected by international law hugely because we don't enter into war or any kind of volatile places yeah Yeah. which is great Um, but I think it's bad in the sense then that we don't really understand we haven't got a clue what's what's going going on on. like when you tell me about some of the stuff that's going on um, what was it the Amazon there's genocide is going on the Amazon now Mm -hmm. as well Um, I was like okay literally none of us know that this is happening like it, it sounds like something that happened last century oh 100% and that's the thing with genocide yeah. that's it When and the last conference that I was at I did exactly what I just did to you I just put up a slide on the projector that just said genocide in huge black letters and I was like what do you think I was like when you hear that word what do you think and like yeah it's usually holocaust, the holocaust 1900s yeah. you yeah. know we don't have that anymore you can't just go out killing people or attacking people but the thing about it is crime what's um oh my god words are gone what's the word chain evolves yeah you know like it does here like we didn't have cyber crime yeah 20 yeah, years yeah. ago you know t- just under 30 years ago it was still illegal to be gay it was still legal to rape your wife if you were married yeah you know so laws change but in international law they they change so slowly wow. that we don't recognize them so when i'm saying these different types of genocides are happening it's because it's really slow to react. It's really slow to put these new terms onto crimes. And again, because genocide is the crime of crimes, they no, don't Nobody want, wants to talk no, to off. No, of course they don't. They don't want that even associated with them. And what's even more interesting is, this is going to be a real quick 10 second history lesson that yeah. I hope doesn't bore you. But, so the term came from a guy called Raphael Lemkin, right? So he was a Polish Jewish lawyer and he had seen 
awful things in what was happening during what you now call the Armenian genocide but at the time it was just the Turkish war Um, and so he came up with this term of genocide coming from genus which is the Latin for people and uh, side to kill yeah and when he first so the definition that he gave genocide that's what we use today even nearly a hundred years later we still use that definition the UN uses it the international courts use it and in his original one, he included cultural genocide and said, this is part, if you attack everything that keeps a people together, that binds them as a people, whether it's language, religion, community, whatever, if you attack that, that's also attack on a people to wipe them out. Yeah. Now, unsurprisingly, the UN roped that out straight away. They were like, we'll take your definition, but we're not taking that part. Because the UN, all the powerful people, especially Germany and the UK, yeah. were all colonizers. Do you know what I mean? So they had gone in and commit these crimes whether it was in Canada Britain and Canada Australia um, the US to an extent Germany and the Congo um, yeah it, it's crazy so I mean it's not surprising they didn't want it associated then they still don't now and it's because they'll have to pay out you that's know? it yeah. like it's so it, like it it essentially comes down to countries governments mm-hmm. when it comes to this like crime of crimes which is y- fucking yeah. terrifying it's it, it sounds like Hunger Games, doesn't it? Yeah. That's what I always think. Like, they put people against each other, almost. It's, it's crazy. And then you have... But then you have people, so, like, those people in Canada, and then the, that man that they had from the German uh, genocide. Yeah. And him saying, okay, well, this isn't genocide. And they're saying, well, it is genocide. And he says, no, it's not. What I had was genocide. It's like, these are all victims. They yeah. shouldn't be put against each other. You know, it's like, this is the worst in humanity. Like, this is awful yeah um so we, we we're very lucky i guess that we don't but then there's an argument to say that do we has that happened here with the irish language yeah you see this is the thing like i can kind of <clears throat> yeah i suppose you could yeah and are we and then well like there's no see i suppose the difference there is well f- to my understanding and again i'm very uneducated in this is so why i got you on i like i'm just gonna let you go hell for letter on this because i haven't got a clue <laughs> well like nobody's nobody no government body is stopping anyone from speaking irish that's so. true yeah Did, so this is a new thing that i'm going to ask you about that uh, i've only heard in the last week right uh so i was very lucky this week to have met um a lecturer from the US who was over and it was just by chance so all my case studies and examples that I use are usually about indigenous people whether mm. it's Native Americans Canadians Aboriginals tribal people in the Amazon whatever but she is a Cherokee Choctaw Indian and um, she's a professor of higher education and she just heard what I did and she was like I'd love to meet you and talk to you about what's going on and she was telling me so I was telling her my theory on cultural genocide and mm. what needs what needs to change and she said to me which is and then I was wondering is this what happened into Ireland so she said what's more worrying now with native people is this idea of cultural suicide not cultural genocide where they're severing their own cultural identity because they want to be more like everybody else whether yeah. it's like us wanting to be more like English people or American people so are we just not putting any value into Irish like is that us too and that to ourselves well I think so yeah definitely because like I, I would think of the Irish language and although it's like obviously it is such a big part of our culture and you know you mm-hmm. like if you hear somebody speaking Irish or even seeing the signpost outside and you see that the Irish language is still on it it does make you kind of there's a little bit of pride there. yeah do you know what I mean yeah. there is but at the same time I'm not willing to be fluent in it I just yeah. I'm not gonna put the time into it 
it's kind of a dead language do you yeah. know? but that's my attitude towards it and it's the way I was brought up yeah and I think you're right though I think education has yeah a lot to do with it that was um one of the papers that I did was about this was about language playing a role in cultural uh, like revitalization yeah so we're saying say with Irish um it's not enough one to, to want to just reclaim that language and say that's ours and we're going to be really proud of it again and yeah. we're going to get it but it needs to be reclaimed but it needs to be revitalized as well so you need to make it popular like you need yeah. to make people want to learn it and I mean right now the only incentive is maybe for leaving cert students who if they sit it through Irish they get extra points yeah, or something yeah 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 there's no incentive so I mean, there what's, like, what's the, yeah, because to that, drive it for us I suppose the, ge- the general like thought on it would be like what's the point yeah like, when and especially with schools now teaching like Chinese studies and yeah. German and Spanish that are these considered business languages so I keep saying I like I know and I know people will definitely disagree and say no the government does a lot to support Irish language oh, yeah, use yeah. but are they doing it enough because I think you have to change perception before you can change anything else they people mi- need to see it as a valuable language that's it well that's the thing I don't see any value in yeah. it and they might like children might, might I personally don't think my generation does yeah no I agree any, I'm yeah, the same yeah, they 100%. don't have any value in it whereas I would find it quite valuable to be able to speak Spanish yeah. or Chinese or German or you know to be Completely able to go agree. to a country and just be able to fluent bang it out do you know what I mean especially mm-hmm. Spanish isn't that that's like the most con- yeah it's, the, it's the, the most, most spoken world yeah yeah language <laughs> <in the world. laughs> yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Even speak English <laughs> but like it, I would find a hell of a lot more value in being able to speak Spanish than I would ever Irish and then yeah see and all these damn questions then you, you start bringing it back to cultural identity and can your identity be killed and that's where I'm looking at this idea of cultural genocide. Yeah, yeah. If, can you kill your identity? So then I, so if I asked you a question that if I had someone sitting here beside me who was the same age from the same place, or well, say from Connemara, yeah. and they grew up with Irish as their first language mm. and their first generation speakers, and now they obviously speak fluent English, but are they then more Irish than I am? Because they have this cultural attachment to Ireland that I don't have. So it's an interesting mm, kind of way to look at it. It make you think, yeah. Yeah, like what would you think? I don't know, so I, I need someone no, I, else. I don't think it makes them more Irish. I think like, you, you were born and raised in Ireland. You're Irish. You're Irish. Yeah, yeah. They just, like that, it, it was just a different upbringing. Do you know what I mean? Which I think is a damn shame. Like I would love yeah. to, uh, like in one, one sense I'm saying I don't find any value in learning it now, but I would love to be able to like it's a weird one it's yeah kind of, it's kind of a hard one like do you to, think look at me trying to get like no, <laughs> but there's no use in it like especially in dublin nobody uses no yeah. i mean i will probably be corrected because i've talked about on this social me- on social media before and i got corrected quite a lot from people saying uh, i actually really? speak irish like we speak irish at home cool you know like because they're trying like that but they are it's a it's it's a, a a huge effort to try and yeah. keep it alive. They they're putting the effort in to try and keep it alive in their homes. Like I, I mean? kind of think this is probably now an unpopular opinion. <laughs> that was good. That was good segue. Um, <laughs> but I think where that came from, we've gone on such a tangent, which I'm loving. Like I really yeah, I no, love no, this conversation though, because so. again, this is what I'm totally interested in is this I mean, idea of cultural person. Are, yeah. Can you be? But I then think so when we were born, you know, and around that time, like the economy was crap. Everyone was leaving. And then I wonder, like, did say our parents and schools think chances are this lot are going to have to leave because 
we don't see a light at the end of this just yet. Mm. So were they more interested in getting us like French and German or whatever rather than Irish thinking that they're probably going to have to leave to make money somewhere. So mm. they put no investment in. I don't know where it would have or where yeah. it changed along the way, but it definitely did. Yeah. Um, somewhere. Um, like I remember having a teacher in primary school in um our old primary school yeah. and she used to make us speak Irish, and she was from Grail Talked in Mayo. yes <laughs> oh my god Miss <laughs> <laughs> Linsky and her brother Mr Linsky yeah <laughs> they, they were mad for the Irish oh my god like yeah. we used to have to call her Indian Nilinsky and we weren't allowed to speak Irish in class and do you remember how terrifying she was like yeah. she, I had her for two years she, and I was black curly hair petrified of her yeah, yeah. very stern oh face. my god yeah. she used to tie her hair this is this is total segue. she used to tie her hair up with a roll of sellotape yeah. like didn't take sellotape off it just put her hair was so curly that she just put the roll of sellotape around and, and it, it held it. and it, she just <laughs> freaked the shit out of me I was <laughs> petrified from the moment I'd get to school to the moment I went home terrified of her but like she wouldn't take any excuses so yeah. in that class she made us speak Irish all the time yeah and then like you got a war like you were a Gwail girl in a shock to now if you spoke the best Irish all week and then you got to pick a day you got no homework so to be fair we did get real into it yeah um, I can remember my mom even saying when we moved up here then that she was like y- your Irish went out the window yeah she was like it was totally different yeah in the old school she was like it was totally different up there there was obviously and I was like there was nothing to that other than incentive because when you're eight or nine being told that you can have a day and no homework you're like deadly I'm definitely gonna win this like I'm definitely gonna do it so that's probably where it it went definitely out the window for me and then when I got to secondary school I was like oh cool new language what's this about I'm gonna do German and I did the same then when I went to college I was like I'm finished with German I'm gonna do Spanish from beginners yeah I get you you. yeah because I did um I didn't my I had Miss Nagali oh she was nice yeah she was nice she was really her and junior infants actually yeah, yeah she was really nice and she was like good for the the irish as well oh the primary school teachers used to, to talk fair, to each other in yeah. irish and all that so thing. that we didn't know what was going yeah, on exactly, yeah. <laughs> i'd love to know now what they were talking about were they like how was your yeah. day like was that what they were talking about <laughs> see that little shit <laughs> yeah. jerry mcguire <laughs> he's after wearing a pink power ranger badge into school yeah. again it's like he's definitely gonna get his head kicked in <laughs> same on sports day he was wearing bicycle shorts <laughs> I was ahead of my time I'm just saying now all the lads are wearing bicycle wearing shorts them, in fairness you did you done good Um, no but like I and my teacher didn't obviously do that with us we had like a a, a very basic understanding but then it goes to show the, the stark differences between the teachers it wasn't mm-hmm. in the curriculum do you know what I mean it was just how down to the teacher that yeah. he was all like that and then even in um secondary school for me I did LCA so <laughs> they used to call it let's count apples because <laughs> <laughs> well the students used to call it let's count apples because it was so fucking simple I've never like, heard that before have you not yeah no that's oh God, there's so many kids are the worst it actually like, stands for leaving search applied and I benefited greatly from it um, but it was more of a practical thing and they simplified the curriculum so right. basically your work you would be marked on your work throughout the two years as opposed to just one big mark at the end with your exams. Nice. And you did work experience, so it was a hell of a lot more practical. And you only did one language. So you specified in Irish in fifth year and French in sixth year. Uh Uh-huh. But 
and my attitude was like at the end of fifth year I never have to do Irish again this is fucking deadly yeah do, do you know what I mean like that was just the it was like that it was just the upbringing and it was the kind of attitude towards the Absolutely. Irish language like did you ever go to the Gwail Talk no neither did I no. and like I had like even friends of mine that were in secondary school in the same year we all going to the Grail Talk and yeah. I never had an interest I was like yeah. why would I want to do that like, it is a I, shame isn't it yeah like and I sometimes think now like being us now might be something fun to do like yeah. I would do an Irish weekend in Inishmore or whatever like yeah. but yeah at the time just no interest I mm. had absolutely mm. and like I'm sure if, if we wanted to go our parents would have let us you know what I mean yeah. but it was just I I could not have thought of anything worse yeah and they were like oh yeah but we get to have Kayleigh's and I was, and then again, I, like I was even sassy at that age, which yeah. you, you know. But I was like, "Do you think that's fun?" Because yeah, yeah. I think you're crazy. Like you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's can, that's true. You I don't... mean, you can see the efforts, and obviously, this is about cultural suicide. We'll get back to the genocide now in a second. But like, but no, but you're right. Though it's how much effort we put into it. Yeah. It definitely yeah. is. I think that definitely does exist. But you can see there are kind of efforts, like you know, the YouTube videos that come out every Sunday. Yeah. Or every summer of the. Um, Grail talked. Clash Lurgan. They do Irish versions yeah. of the songs. Like, I think that's so cool. That is cool. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So and I'm always really see. jealous, even though they're kids. Like, you know, there's always like one or two leads, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, it's you're like so glee. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's actually Irish glee. But I'm even <laughs> je- as a 31 year old adult, I see it and I'm jealous. One, that they can sing and dance like that, but two, that they can do it in fluent Irish. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so impressive to me that, yeah. It is brilliant, yeah. I. Uh, would you encourage your kids? You see, this is the thing. Yeah, it's, it, it is yeah. the attitude. I don't think. I don't. Think. I will be killed for saying this because my supervisor, who supervises my PhD, yeah. she is from Grail Talked in Galway. Her first language is Irish. Yeah. And whenever we go away together on conferences, which is quite a lot, that yeah. um, she always gets really annoyed that I don't speak Irish because she's like. I want to tell you something that I cannot say out loud and I can't tell you because you will not understand if I say it in Irish. Yeah. And I'm like, just say it in English. And then I'm like, and, and obviously you can't because people are that close. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think that I would. Yeah, I, I think But again, I think it's, that's from the government and education here too. I think they need to, like I said, the whole thing about getting your language back, if it's a, considered a dead language, is you have to reclaim it and you have to revitalize it that's how you get it back make it popular yeah but I'm like how there's no incentive yet so I'm like put more incentive a couple of leaving cert points I don't think is enough incentive so I'm like and then like I know there's this whole you know well if you study Irish uh, in college you'll definitely get a job as a secondary school teacher Mm. great but what about the 90% of people then who don't want to be secondary school teachers or whatever the statistic is but I mean if Mm. that's the only job benefit coming from it yeah that's it's, true you yeah. know they're not doing enough to and then i wonder because then it was made a european language or an official language of the eu but you still don't see much or hear no. much about it and i just think more could be done do you think it's because we're we are dubs and it's just not widely spoken and because again like i said i've spoken about this before and i have gotten corrected and there is quite a lot of people well people that followed me on snapchat that used the language putting uh, you in I your was, place <laughs> I was like surprised do you know what I mean yeah I like I think it's great I do yeah. think it's great and I am jealous when I know yeah. people can speak it fluently Um, like I would say now if I had to do a leave and search oral exam in Irish oh, now not miserably. a hope yeah. like wouldn't have a clue yeah Um, so like it's uh, that's a real patronising thing to say isn't it it's like 
it's a lovely idea yeah I know but, but that's kind of where it stands with me at the minute until I think that it does more and then that brings it right back so then I'm looking at is cultural suicide related to cultural genocide and I'm almost a proponent of it you know what I mean I've done this like I've done this to myself by putting no effort in and like something like I know like I work in a university but I got an email a couple of weeks ago saying that the university is going to run free language classes in Irish for staff if you want to do it yeah and I was like oh that's such a great idea no thanks yeah So I think it's fair to say that we have committed cultural suicide. suicide. Yeah, if if that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, which is which is even sadder, I think, because you know, I mean, if your culture is attacked by your government or military, then yeah. there's not much you can do about that. No. And I'm looking like I look at these groups of people that this has happened to for generations of their family. Yeah. And then I compare it to right now, and I'm like, I'm willingly doing this. Yeah. To yeah. parts of my cultural identity that I don't try to uphold and mm. um, which is really really worrying and sad and like like i said that professor from the states that i was talking to she was telling me about native american tribes all over the states that have their language has just gone doesn't exist anymore and this is a huge problem because they won't give those tribes federal recognition yeah to say that they're a real tribe because they don't have a real language so they're saying That's... you're not native americans because you don't have your own language and their argument is, but you forced that language out of us. What? You wouldn't let us speak it. So it's this double penalization that they're saying, well, you're not allowed to speak your traditional language. And they said this for 200 years. And now they're saying, mm. well, now because you don't have a traditional language, you're actually not a protected group anymore. So you don't need any money from the state to help you or your community. So was there a connection? And I know you spoke about the English and the uh, like the Irish at the, at the beginning. There's a there's quite a pocket of people who think the English were the ones who basically stopped us from speaking Irish. Yeah, how, how true is that, or do you even know? I like, well, it is true to a certain extent. Yeah, but we're also then just equally as guilty as not championing. Yeah, because to, to it is keep in it our alive. education yeah. system. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, there's groups again, groups around the whole world that champion to keep their languages alive, um, and. We don't do it. And I always think it's very, like, like you said, you do have that little bit of pride or something when you see or yeah. hear someone speak yeah. in Irish. And I always think it's lovely. Um, yeah, I don't know how we would fix that. Um, mm. as a pe- I think the incentive, like, there needs to be more than just saying, well, you'll be able to be a teacher. Yeah. Especially um, at education stage. Yeah, you know After what I mean? That, I'm like, kinda, you, it, you need to make this bigger. Like maybe if it was, if they put more money maybe into TG4, is that, I don't even know, is that? TG Car is yeah. still, still going, yeah. Um, see, the world of Netflix, I don't even know what's on yeah. the television anymore. Um, but, you know, if they put more into that and like, and we've proven this, again, totally off on a tangent here, but we've proven that we can create great Irish homegrown drama, storylines, yeah fantastic stuff um like i have friends in the states that watch love hate yeah they're obsessed with it you know Mm. and i'm like so if we put that same effort maybe into some irish language tv i mean maybe it would be in performing arts then people wouldn't be as worried they'd be like well there is actually a niche because i believe that if you want to get into tg car not gonna happen it's it's very hard to get in there because it's so small that they don't have yeah the, the power I suppose or the, the breath to, to keep hiring people for it so that could be something to get younger generation into it especially with the likes of Colossus de Lurgan videos then that mass huge views yeah so people are really entertained by this yeah, and they really enjoy true. it and I'm yeah. like 
invest in that because they're the people it's these teenagers that are going to bring it all back that's um, true although yeah. is that me putting all this pressure on them when I'm yeah. like you do it no pressure guys no pressure <laughs> all you 16 and 17 year olds you have the faith of the Irish language on your shoulders <laughs> if you're listening take this on board go forth and prosper hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You were saying earlier about the with the whole cultural genocide thing Mm -hmm. that you cannot be prosecuted for a crime if it wasn't a crime at the time. So what's the point in going for it? Okay, that's a that that is a very valid question. To be fair, um, and it's it's one I'm asked because it puts me in my place a lot. You know, because that's true. Exactly what you said is true. Um, when you start looking at victims and survivors of, of acts of genocide, so we'll leave it at that, um, but let's so say even cultural genocide, generally what the survivors and family of victims say that they want is justice. So justice doesn't necessarily mean the person who did it gets fucked into a jail cell and that's the end yeah. of it, you know. Which is um, going to be hard to do anyway, because like you said, prove. the line of people that had to have intended yeah. on it it's and and i mean people aren't naive um, yeah. as much as we like to think sometimes and um, they're not so to them a lot of them is just memory it's it's getting an acknowledgement that this happened yeah so while the people that did it may not ever face actual criminal charges if the government that they lived under admits this is what happened yeah. we apologize for what happened it was not us, but it was our predecessors or it was the past, you know, but we admit what happened and we acknowledge what happened. And to a lot of victims and survivors, that's a, that's enough. Yeah. It's it's just recognizing that it's true, that they didn't make this up, that the scars that are there are real. Um, and the apologies, they're, they're, a, they're a dodgy issue, like at, at best of times. I mean, you can get YouTube, for instance, Justin Trudeau's apology to Native Canadians. That was only recent. Yeah, really yeah. recent, really recent. And he got up there. And like, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-Trudeau. I really like him. I'm really glad he won. We love him. Um, yeah, love him. Think he's great. But he did get up and apologize for what happened in the Canadian residential schools. But when you actually listen to his apology and do YouTube it and listen to it, it's only about three or four minutes long. But what you hear him say is he apologizes for the lived experience of some children in that system. 
So essentially what he was saying was the system itself was fine, just some children had a bad time. And there's no point, like, it, 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 that's that's not justice. You no. know what I mean? It's a corny little quote to throw in, but it's, and we don't care that that's not justice. So why do we not care? Because it doesn't affect us. Yeah. Is that fair for us to not care? You know, so I don't, I don't really know, but there's a lovely quote that I do like all the time, which makes me really sad. And it's by, from Benjamin Franklin. And he says that, True justice will never be seen until those who are not affected by something are as equally angry as those who have been directly affected by something. And I think there's a lot of kind of power into that. And we're like, well, maybe we should care as humans. Definitely, yeah. Because you know? I, I mean, like, does it, are there any like protests or anything going on in the world? Like, I, I just feel like when you talk about genocide and cultural genocide and... The, the groups that are being wiped out essentially by mm-hmm. their own governments I, I i picture them as being very helpless is there yeah. any activism going on Massive. at the moment yeah okay because like what you said with that quote there i, I don't feel like not enough people know about it to even follow that quote yeah. through Do oh yeah what I mean? like now that you're telling me this and anybody who's listening who's going what the fuck i haven't got a clue this is going on and are getting yeah. angry about it now obviously that's spreading awareness it's spreading yeah. the word i just feel like it's very it's it's super rare like remember we heard about the dakota pipeline um and then all of a sudden we stopped hearing about the dakota pipeline and that's still going on where these reservations of native americans were actually like for said no for once and for all we're not letting you do what you want anymore like we're standing up against it and this is the thing that i think these groups generally have been very vulnerable Mm. um but i don't think that they actually were vulnerable i think they were being held in a vulnerable position yeah and now they're saying no actually we understand the world we understand there's laws to protect us um and that's now that's generally indigenous people but then you've got the problem with when you mentioned earlier on the amazon um there's tribes in the amazon who are in isolation that have never made contact with the outside world ever and mm. um, they're being driven from their tribal villages in the amazon because of illegal logging and peru is selling huge amounts of amazon land to loggers so these people are being removed and then that's another ethical question because then you have to think okay these groups have never made contact with the outside world mm. it's there's it's really an ethical decision whether someone should ever make contact with a tribe who live in isolation because they've chosen that way so who are we then to try and contact or force contact but also because they've been uncontacted for so long they don't have the same like immune systems that you or yeah. I have. So uh, uh, there's this, a real sad statistic that was a quote in a book that was like a single hug killed a thousand people because a simple pathogen that they've no immunity to a cold can kill them in a week Yeah. because they've never been exposed to it. So how do we break ground then with groups like that who we can't connect with and say, but, you're uh, being run out, but there is things to protect you. There are things you yeah, can survive. So yeah. how do we so do it? So we're in a them. really frustrating way it's like what do we do um and then you also don't want to be these you know the savior western white people going don't worry we'll save you we, yeah, we'll yeah. protect you because that's patronizing too so yeah. i think like this and thank you for having the opportunity even to do this because then this is how you do it yeah. you know by talking about it and saying to people well i actually didn't realize that was a thing before yeah. i didn't re- like even my book uh, i just wrote a book chapter uh for a book that's coming out and I brought it home to give it to my dad to proofread for me just in yeah. case. Very good with his brand. He'll catch things. Um, <laughs> so I just gave it to him. I was like, here, just have a read of that. And even he came to me afterwards and he was like, 
I can't believe this happens. He was like, I can't believe this is happening in um, China. Like, that's terrifying. Like, China at the minute, there's a group of people called the Uyghurs, right? Now, it's spelled mad, and I'm going to definitely spell it wrong, but it's like U-G-H-Y-R-S, okay. something like that, right? It's So they're a minority in China, they're a Muslim minority in China, and they're just being, like, they're being sent to concentration camps. This day and age. Oh God, like this is right now. and But they're being called re-education camps. Oh yeah. Because they need to be re-educated in China, Chinese idealism. So um, like there's stories of people been having like webcams being put into people's private homes to make sure that they're not reading the Quran during the day. Um, one guy gave an interview for the New Yorker. He had just come home from college for four years. He was in the States and was arrested the second he landed because he had been... Um, excuse me, miseducated and he needs to be re-educated in Chinese values and cultures. Um, there's a really worrying thing that came out about organ harvesting that's going on. Um, now, I don't, there's no substantive, substantive fact to that, mm. but it, it's being talked about. Um, why is no one talking about it? That's like, but like that people like me, uneducated people, like, but as well, it's not in the news. It's not because of it's fake the, news yeah. and bias. Not only fake news, but bias too and to be fair we see a lot on the news we say brexit yeah um because that directly affects us yeah yeah so you can't we can't i can't blame the I, news yeah, either yeah i know because, there's world news yeah. where it might cover absolutely so like there's one al jazeera brilliant i think everyone's mm. terrified of al jazeera because they hear that name yeah and they think it's something dodgy um but it's, it's one like, of the best news mm. channels you'll ever see like it's the only app i ever use for news i trust it more than sky news than bbc really? news because it's it's fact and it's they don't, don't yes yeah, it's every every corner of the world is covered nowhere is so they i mean you look at it now and they'll be talking about brexit you look at it in 10 minutes they're talking about tribes in the amazon you look at it in another 10 minutes they're talking about oil in iran like it covers everything so it's a great one to kind of check in on every now and again if you have an interest in that kind of world things to say what is going on and there's no kind of fake news on that is there no no no, no, no we were just very... talking before this and i was saying i was uh kind of talking about the one that we had on irish media and i was saying in it that in irish media like you it's i don't want to call it propaganda but like rte say they'll report on like do you remember at the time of the water charges or the yeah, the yeah. equality rallies they were like reporting whoa, 10,000 people when it was really 100,000 people. Yeah. Like they'll report a certain amount, but then you'll go on Twitter and you'll find out the other the side. Real, of it, yeah. The real side of it. Yeah. So yeah. like I think finding a, a news outlet like Al Jazeera that you said it's, it's completely factors no yeah. fake news. It covers all corners of the world. That's, a, yeah. that's probably a good change that people could make. Oh yeah, and it's to, a simple app. Yeah. You know, they have a great news app. Yeah. Um, you can just hit top stories. I actually love it in the car when it's connected into the car because you can listen live or just play the top stories through yeah. your AUX or whatever way you do listen to music through your car. Um, so I like that because I'm like, oh, that'll tell me what's going on um, outside of right here. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's nice to listen to. And I, don't get me wrong, it's very important to listen to our news too. I get that. Yeah. Um, but you know, for ten minutes, it doesn't hurt to listen to something. This is gonna sound so self righteous. I can, I can no, almost but you feel know, it. It's not, but, uh, it's not self righteous. But I like it. It would make you think, and I'm kind of going, oh my god, I am so like wrapped in cotton wool because I don't do that. Yeah, do you know, what I mean? and I'm raging with myself that I don't do that. Yeah. But again, but it's 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 all relevant, isn't it? It's it's what we see and what we're exposed yeah, to. It's yeah. to. Like when you think of the truck in the UK, that awful, awful, yeah. horrible story. Like thirty nine people. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, how bad, and I don't want to speak ill of the dead in any way, shape or form, but how bad was their lives that they put themselves into that position yeah. to begin with? That's 39 lives senselessly gone. Mm. But we've already forgot about it. Like, it's not being spoken about it's anymore not. now. It's gone. Back to Brexit. Yeah, mm. it's gone again. And I'm like, no, guys, this is the things that need to be really worried about because that's when I start worrying that we're losing like humanity yeah um and that's again that's what i that's what a lot of my justice look or my research looks at is justice yeah um, and justice for genocide is, is genocide is cultural genocide real is cultural suicide connected to it how do we get justice for that um and i keep going back it's until those who aren't as directly affected are as angry as those who are yeah and like and i look at that and i think like there was a teenager in that that kills me that's someone half the age of me yeah was in a, a refrigerated truck and mm. fro- like I, it scares me I'm like oh god what's going on in the world that that's they thought that was a good idea that that was going to get them away from something and then that makes me worried that yeah. it makes me worried when I think of again oh, I don't want to get into a whole other debate so you can totally like cut the neck there no. but like shut up shut up shut up <laughs> but like it, I think a lot of it has to do with um Trump and a lot of it has to do with Johnson and it's yeah. these ideas that are going that it's um you know that anyone who's a non-national um mm. doesn't matter uh send them back to where they came from it's not our problem don't worry about them i think that has a lot to do with it and i think people will say oh i don't believe that or i don't listen to it but i genuinely think a lot more people do listen to it and do buy it than would ever admit to yeah listening to it or buying it so i don't know like we have a pretty good reputation for human rights i think in ireland and caring and yeah doing stuff about it but again i do think we can open our eyes a little bit more yeah to some of it without being patronizing and sounding patronizing which i don't want to absolutely to do. i i it baffles me that there are people fleeing their own countries yeah. and that their governments aren't doing anything to kind of help it and then again like with the whole with the whole like veil of genocide the fact that governments do wipe out people it's, it's, it's crazy, fucking crazy it? that it still happens it's insane and you think how is this happening like how does this happen now like it's it's crazy like and they're the two most recent ones so like Myanmar and the Rohingya there and China with the Uyghurs um and that's that's current that's yeah. happening right now um and it's it's terrifying but again it's it's far away it's it's, it's removed away. we don't we don't t- think about it and then yeah it's oh god this is a very like we need to it tell is, you this is sad do you know what no it is it's, it's very interesting as well um i just last thing i want to touch on because we're coming up to the hour mark now is um conspiracy because you mentioned the armenian genocide mm-hmm. which was the turkish yes yeah mm-hmm. there's a part that there was a lot of um kind of not i don't even know how to word this properly but basically they were the country themselves were trying to make out that this never happened yeah like that happens a lot as well oh yeah yeah. oh yeah of course because again they just don't want that word attached to it at all and i think with with, particularly with the armenian one um there was like 70 oh god it's terrible like it's frightening um that this can happen and it's a funny one because the armenian genocide was technically before we had that word but they get the word genocide attached to it it's just an unusual yeah. kind of situation with that one um also armenia technically i'll get in trouble for this but technically doesn't exist anymore as as a state that's yeah. a, iran now isn't it um I, as yeah. far as i know so there was kind of a lot around i think a lot of bad choices were made as well like they chose 
the, the law firm that they had to represent them at a recent trial, they went with a Mal Clooney. Mm. And now, don't get me wrong, great person, stunning, and yeah. very clever. Not the best active lawyer, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think they, that she was chose because of, of her, her name and who she was mm. and what she represented. And it just wasn't a great presence. And she was arguing against Turkey, saying, you need to recognize that this was a genocide. Yeah. Um, but it just, it wasn't as convincing if you look at some of the others. And the thing about these trials is you can see these all online. So when you see these conspiracies come up time and time again, like you can look at the trials and see the way people talk. Mm. Um, another one was the Bos- like the genocide in Bosnia and Trebinitsa. Which was um, a like recent uh, Yeah, like, we were... like remember this, you yeah. know. Um, like we have friends like that that we met because they came, they fled and came here and we grew yeah. up with them, you know. Um, but like in one of them, Shrebonitsa, I think it was seven, seven or 8,000 men. So the men and women and children were separated at this day that this awful thing happened. Um, and only the men were slaughtered, men and young boys. So there's this conspiracy then that says, well, that wasn't a genocide because they didn't attack the whole group. They only went after one very little part of the group. But that's why the Genocide Convention says now in whole or in part. So there's two ways to look at that. They did specifically target just part of the group by going after the men and boys. But also that was a conscious effort then. It meant that they couldn't reproduce. There was a less chance of having future generations because 8,000 men have just been killed. So that can't go any further. And again, it's, it's always interesting to me because genocide, it keeps evolving in certain ways and then not in other ways. So in the last couple of years we've just had sexual violence and rape being classified as acts of genocide now and you think how could that be yeah. an act of genocide but these so especially in um in the time of the rwandan genocide what was happening there was um women were being raped and being f- like uh, forcefully made pregnant yeah so that they couldn't have more of their own children that they were getting the blood of the enemies <gasps> And recreating this new bloodline so that their own bloodline was gone. So now that's considered an act of genocide. Wow. So hopefully the cultural element will become as recognized. I know it's not as severe. Um there's uh But still it's fucking huge. Well, it's, but it's like, massive and, and it's, it's intentional. Intended. Yeah, see this is the thing. But then it's trying to prove that intent the whole way down, this ladder of intent. Yeah. It's next to impossible. Where with, no, well, not terrible, with normal murder, but with normal murder, you only have to prove either one person did intent or yeah. didn't intent. That's it. And either way, chances are you'll get a conviction. Yeah. Genocide, and it can be anything up to 100 millions of people killed. And it's impossible nearly to get a conviction. Um, they do a lot of it in international courts. And mm. there's a lot of trouble around that saying, you know, if a country commits a genocide, they should prosecute it themselves to get justice for the country again but the problem is it's always a head of state or head of military and he's going to prosecute they're too powerful so even if they've been overthrown and are now in prison and accused of genocide they still have very powerful friends in their own state they're they're never going to be prosecuted so that's why we have these international courts um, and they're slow to prosecute and that's something that people give out about is that the level of prosecutions that happen is is quite low yeah the international criminal courts there since 2002 um, and I should have totally done my research before I decided to even begin this line, but I didn't. Uh, but I'm going to say, I think it's only maybe been nine or 10 convictions they've had in that time, in 17 years. But again, these cases can take years because of the level of intent you have to prove. Yeah. 
So it's a double-edged sword. Fuck. Yeah, so now I've left you depressed for two reasons. No, well, <laughs> I mean, I'm just like... I, uh, I look, I have a, a lot of belief in you, but how the fuck are you going to get a PhD? This is the question I keep asking me. <laughs> so uh, before we go, what is your aim in... With your PhD, what's your goal? I would love... Um, what do you mean with the with the research or with the actual? Because PhD? Obviously you have to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Discover or you yeah. know make a breakthrough. Um, yeah, or you have to prove that you are contributing um, originality to the area or the yeah. field. Um. So with the goal of it, what I'm trying to look at is the legitimacy, basically, of cultural genocide to mm. recognize that first of all, this is real. Yeah. This is happening, and it poses a serious risk. Mm-hmm. Um. To and like you said to vulnerable populations vulnerable vulnerable groups um you know like if we start losing cultures what do we want you know yeah do we want this one world like this hunger games like society where nobody's different anymore because everyone's the same because we've no cultures or societies mm. and you know to me that's terrifying so yeah. i mean to me a success would be um of just a recognition to say that this crime exists yeah um, and going forward that states have equal obligation they have to also make sure that they prevent and punish anyone who is yeah. found guilty of that which isn't happening um, no it's not you know um so that's the goal it's i have a, a year left to do it <laughs> it's a long road ahead it is but hell. look it's it will be the life work it will be the yeah the life work um other side of it though career wise this um this so you got to make my one of my little career dreams uh come true because i always said that at the end of the phd i didn't necessarily know what i wanted to do if i wanted to teach or research or whatever and i used to always say oh my ideal career would be like a panel show but with like where you can talk openly and normal and not be terrified that you're going to be attacked for having this opinion or this idea around it and be actually Mm. able to talk and say this is what I genuinely think and this is what I think yeah um you should be able to do because sometimes in academia that's the problem because you will be told in no uncertain terms no one cares what you think unless you can back this up with research and evidence we don't care what you think and there's a lot of um, knuckle to knuckle as oh well God, with it's, yeah it, oh it's, it's a totally different world um mm. and so this was always something that I did always want to do to be able to like just sit down and talk and be like this is what I think and am I crazy? And then to have someone actually say, well, yes or no, you know, so we will leave that to uh, your your, well, your beautiful listeners. So I personally <laughs> think uh, like uh, a lot of people who have, would have listened to this episode would have learned something definitely brand new. I and hope so. Yeah, now I definitely think so. I personally, and again, I don't want to take away from the severity of the situation, but I'd be fascinated listening about it because yeah, it's and you're something so- that's like... I just had no comprehension of I had no idea yeah. so Jer obviously I know he's really smart but I kind of just thought he just went to college and he was going to be a doctor <laughs> soon that's that so what kind, I think that was my thing on him and then one day he came up to me he's like Jen can I practice this presentation on you and I listened to this presentation and I was literally by the end of it my jaw was on the floor I was like oh does this happen (laughs) I remember that yeah Yeah, you were so good for it and I I remember you were so good because it was late and you were like no no just come up and do it just and I was like no I feel bad it's late you were like no just do it and I was like but I'm gonna send you to bed no (laughs) I was like with no faith left in in human humanity Um, but yeah this happened like it was absolutely so that is what I spend my my week doing that and teaching 
There you go. There you go. <laughs> so there you go. Food for thought. A very different podcast today, and I hope people learned something. And yeah, I hope I didn't bore no, um, people. I hope not. I don't think. I don't I think anyone like, would be. I don't know if anyone will be shy. They'll tell. No, they'll tell you. They right? Will. They will tell you. Yeah. That's. They like it. They like to message the old Insta. Oh, opinions. good. Yeah. Oh, message um, if it was good or bad. I can take yeah, I can take uh, criticism. Where can we find you on social media? Everywhere. Everywhere. I exist everywhere. <laughs> um probably best one is Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. The filter fella. The filter fella. Yeah, you'll get me there. Twitter, Jerry Maguire. Um and so again, it depends what I, I share usually on both. Um Twitter definitely more so of, of this kind of stuff. This kind yeah. Um mm-hmm. yeah, where Instagram is kind of just more like this kind of talk like I love to talk about it but have fun on Instagram and, and actually chat and, and feel like this is another reason why I wanted you on as well because you're so it's like I feel like this was a very Joe Rogan-esque type of podcast like oh you know, yeah 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 I know exactly do you know what I mean when I say <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah. because like Joe is so much fun obviously and like for him to just go into this completely different person t- person mm-hmm. and like educate people and stuff I just think it's fucking amazing so Thanks very much for having me. Thank you for having chats. me. I've had the best time. It's been amazing. Um, what are we going to do when you're on maternity leave? We're just going to have How, coffee are, and you're going to be my money. I, like, do you realise that's my ambition done, sorted? I'm just going to have the best time. <laughs> I'm, like, you're going to be like, no, Jerry, I need to see my kid. I'm like, yeah. sorry, yeah. what? <laughs> you are on bed rest and you'll be like, yeah. okay, that was three years ago. <laughs> I'm like, listen, we're best friends now. You can't break this. Yeah, he's gonna be the best uncle, Jack. I can't wait, but we're gonna miss you when you're not uh, weekly on the air. Was... I'll be back. I'll be back. I uh, can't keep a good girl down. That's it. <laughs> oh my god, you're definitely gonna podcast labour and everything. I, I, I like. I'll be feeding the kid on the mic as well. Oh my god, yeah. that's gonna be the best podcast <laughs> ever. <laughs> oh my god, that's yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.